Welcome to the official podcast of Harvest Bible Chapel Indy West. Our desire is to make authentic disciples of Christ who worship Him, walk with Him, and work for Him. You can find more information about Harvest by visiting our website at www.harvestindywest.org or by downloading our app from your app store. We pray today's podcast will encourage your pursuit of Jesus Christ. Happy Father's Day. I, uh, I was going to take us to 1 Samuel and spend some time with Eli and Samuel as dads, but sometimes doing what I do, you just get this thing where you're like a uh, different direction. So different direction this morning. And uh, maybe you will be bringing, I'll be bringing that up some point in time in a workshop on parenting, some things to learn there. But uh, I'm going to kind of take a prompting here and trust that the Lord will use it to bless you and encourage you and uh, all of us together. Um, happy Father's Day. So here's what I want to do. Instead of a sermon today, I want to kind of give the dads three charges. Now, uh, that means three encouragements. And really, it's three two-word encouragements because we like things simple, don't we, dads? And uh, life is complicated enough. And uh, so I've got uh, uh, three two-word charges, but I want to begin with kind of three introductory statements here to set the platform for these three two-word charges for the dads today. Uh, Beginning item number one is this. Today is applicable to everyone. Today is applicable to everyone whether you are a teenager, whether you are a woman, whether you are uh, someone without a child, uh, these three charges have direct relevance for you. Um, I'm going to be talking with dads and with fathers today, uh, but if you take those and you correlate those into life, uh, I'm telling you they are are all for everyone in here. Uh, They have to do with serving with children here. They have to do with this week with high five. All three of these are critical in just how you think about that. They, they have to do with someday if you become a parent or a father uh, with that. Uh, they have relevance just as a follower of Christ who is seeking to be able to make disciples for Christ. Uh, Jesus is in all three of these and you'll be hearing me make reference to that as well. So today, uh, all of these are applicable to everyone. Secondly, today is not a weapon for anyone. It is not a weapon for anyone. What do I mean by that? Don't take any of these three charges as kind of ammo for getting critical on someone, on your dad, on your husband, on the, child, on the uh, father of your children, on your son-in-law. Don't, don't use these to find out where things go bad, okay? Uh, agreed? Okay, we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. Um, Let's get the log out of our eye before we even consider. Uh, So not a weapon for anyone today. Third, today is about a God-ordained relationship. Today is about a God-ordained relationship. Same with motherhood. Uh, And I just want to note, people of faith and non-faith are celebrating today, but one of the things that's different is, is when we come as people of faith who believe that there is a God and he wrote a book for us, that we come to understand that fatherhood, as with motherhood as well, this is a God-designed thing. This is not a man-made thing. This is not a man-created thing. God is the one who put this into place. Fatherhood is not some random result of randomness. Fatherhood is something that God put in place. 
And, and so when we talk about this, it has even more meaning because it is a God-ordained relationship with a grand priority to it. And guys, sometimes we can just kind of deceive ourselves into kind of thinking this thing that, you know, life is all about our career or our 401k or our hobby or whatever it might be. But I just have to say, listen, in this, it's bigger than that. It's bigger than that. Uh, in this whole reality, life is about something far more important. In fact, I'll just say it this way, and I gotta be careful because I'll get in my doctoral thesis project. Life is about relationships. That's what life is about. In fact, scripture talks about how uh, life is about loving the Lord, and life is about loving others. And in fact, by the way, the God that we, that we love uh, is a God, a trinity, a Godhead that exists in perfect relationship itself. What did the Godhead do in eternity past? The Godhead did relationship. That's what it did. And perfect relationship, not bored, not by force, but perfect relationship in all of eternity past. And then that Godhead created mankind with the ability to have relationship with the Godhead and with each other. Relationship is the thing that is the driving reality of life. Relationships are. And sometimes as guys, we can just get kind of caught in all our sidebar things. But uh, today's a call back to something that is absolutely critical. And that is under the foundation that all of life is about relationships. We have humanity relationships. We're to be of the world, but not, we're to be in the world, but not of the world. We're to love others. We're to take the gospel to others at work, at school, in our neighborhoods. We have relationships with all the world. We also have family of God relationships. We're to be involved and engaged in a, in a church, a local body of believers serving and, and carrying out the one and others of scripture and growing together and going together is a body of believers together. And you don't do the Christian life alone. It's done with a family. There's also the marriage relationship. I mean, the marriage relationship, another God-ordained covenant relationship between a man and a woman. Uh, marriage is not a human-invented relationship built around some legal tax filing or sex preference or morality codes. Marriage is a God-ordained thing. God is the one who invented it. God is the one who put it in place. And, and we live it out in the way that God has deemed it. It's a picture of Christ in the church. It's not just a functional thing. It's not a political thing. It's not a government thing. It's not a tax filing thing. It is a, to be a living picture of Christ in the church. And then we come to relationship. Another God-ordained relationship is a parenting relationship. And uh, that's where we're at today. And specifically having to do with fatherhood. Hey, dads. You being a dad is not just carrying out a function. You being a dad is a God-ordained priority. And God cares about it. And God wants you to succeed for his glory in doing that. So today, three charges. Charge number one. Fathers, pray for. Pray for. Pray for uh, like how? Like Job. Turn to the book of Job. You're there all the time, I'm sure. It's about right in the middle of the Bible, a little left of center of the Bible. It's page 416. If you're using one of the Bibles behind the seats there, page 416. 
the book of Job. I want to give an Old Testament person to each of these three. Pray for, and pray for like Job. Uh, Job, well, let me just read about Job here, if you don't know much about him. It says, chapter 1, verse 1, There was a man in the land of Uz, not Oz, but Uz, whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. What's he saying? The Bible's saying Job was a man who was seeking after the Lord hard. Job was not a perfect man, by the way, and that should be encouragement to all of his dads and all of his men. He was not a perfect man. He didn't have his act totally together in every facet of it. But we do learn here in verse 1 that he was one that, that was blameless. He was pursuing after upright. He was doing things rightly before the Lord. He feared God. He loved God. He turned away from evil. Verse 2. There were born to him seven sons and three daughters. Woo! That's a full household. And I'm glad for him on that one. He, uh, he possessed 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 female donkeys, and very many servants, so that this man was the greatest of all the people of the East. Now, some of you farmers have a better idea of how much that is, but I just know this. That's a lot. In fact, basically what's going on is Job was an absolute tycoon. He was a business magnate. He had money, he was there. He made it, he was a successful businessman. He was one of the greatest of all the people in the East. Verse four, his sons used to go and hold a feast in the house of each one on his day. And it's like birthday parties. And they would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. This is a family occasion. This family wasn't just a tycoon family. This family actually was close with each other. And then verse 5, and when the days of the feast had run their course, Job would send and consecrate them. And he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did how often? Continually. Here's, here's my pray for and pray for in a manner to where this was a dad that had a priestly mindset. He had a priestly mindset when it came to considering and looking at and thinking about and caring for his children. As a dad, he would consecrate them. He would set them apart unto the Lord. He, he would bring them before the Lord. And Job, it was like he saw his 10 children. He saw the Lord. And in seeing both, he saw something far more important than his empire. That's what I love about Job. With Job, yes, he had an empire as a businessman, but Job saw something far more important than his kids taking over the empire and being successful career-wise or being successful financially-wise. I think Job would have given it up, and by the way, it's going to all be given up. And he would have given it up for his kids to love the Lord. That's the thing here. And you're like, well, Doug, where do we see him praying for? Listen, we, we, we see prayer too much as a dinnertime moment. We see prayer too much as a set-aside moment, which it is. A set-aside moment just to be able to bring our to-do list to the Lord. Like we're in charge of the Lord. Instead, what we see here, what I love about Job is I think Job is living in this idea of a constant mindset of a priestly dad who's loving his kids and coming before the Lord and doing everything he can standing in the gap with his kids. 
Man, wouldn't you want a dad like that? Their success was only relating to them and the Lord. And friends, we live in a world where as dads, we are so keyed off on wanting our kids to be successful as the world defines it. Can I just say this? Please give that idol up. What you really want is kids who love the Lord. And thus Job did continually. This idea of this priestly continual conversation and movement with the Lord. Listen, Job was abiding with the Lord. That's what's going on. And and, and, and dads, what your kids need most is a dad who abides with the Lord. That's what they need most. A dad who loves their kids to the point to where they're going to invest time and heart and passion and standing in the gap and being available for. And when they fall and fail, he doesn't crush them, he loves them. Dads, pray for. By the way, Jesus prayed for his kids, his guys. You see it all the time in the Gospels, it's so cool. By the way, Romans 8, 34, Jesus intercedes for, he stands in the gap for his children. The Lord Jesus Christ stood in the gap for his guys, and the Lord Jesus Christ stands in the gap for his kids. Pray for. Pray for. What's the first one? Pray for. Second one, fathers, point two. Point two. Like how? Like Solomon. Uh, Turn to Proverbs chapter one. Leave uh, Job chapter one. Hang a right. uh, Job, then through Psalms, and Proverbs comes right after Psalms. Solomon. Solomon was a human author of three books of the Three wisdom books of the Bible, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, or Song of Songs. Uh, understand this, the book of Proverbs is not a book of promises, okay? It, it, it's, it's, a, it's not formulaic promises, do this, get that, do this, get that. We Americans, we think that way so much. Just give me the formula, like let's just get there fast. Uh, the book of Proverbs is not that way. It, it's really a collection of general wisdom and truth. In fact, being that it's uh, Father's Day today, Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he or she should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. No, this, that's not a promise. It, it's this idea of it's, it's, this, it's this general wisdom truth. It's God-breathed general wisdom truth for things. That's the kind of thing to where, in fact, it reminds me, some 25 years ago, uh, a dear couple, friends of ours, they're older than we were. We had little kids, they had older kids, Andy and Bonnie, and, uh, sorry, it's Father's Day, they get really emotional on these days. Um, they had four kids, and, and they, 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 I'm telling you, Andy and Bonnie were pointing to parents. They were pointing to the Lord parents. Out of their kids, they had kids who were following the Lord and not following the Lord. Uh, listen, uh, but, but you come back to Proverbs 22, 6, and it's like, yeah, but they trained them that way. They should all go. No, no, because there's a thing that goes on in the heart of a child, a heart of everybody, that we make a choice, right? And so the idea here, the Proverbs is point two, point two, point two, the Lord. And here, in fact, let's see some of this. Not only does the book of Proverbs talk about pointing to the Lord, but the book of Proverbs is a book, is a letter from a dad to his son pointing his son to the Lord. 
Let's see some of this. Proverbs chapter one, verse one. Uh, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Uh, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Now go to verse eight. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. By the way, teaching and instruction is just it's not a dad's job and it's just not a mom's job. Ideally, it's both job. We're both instructing. We're both involved in teaching in that is the Lord's desire for that. Uh, go to chapter two. Uh, we see verse one. Uh, my son, this is a dad. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom, inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight, Raise your voice for understanding. If you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. What a cool dad pouring into his son. And then you go to chapter three. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you'll find favor and good success in the sight of God and men. Trust in the Lord, son, with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, son, acknowledge him and he, the Lord, will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes, son. Fear the Lord, turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, son. And with the first fruits of all your produce, then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof, for the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. Man, that's a dad pointing his son to the Lord. More of that in us. Chapter four, hear, O son, a father's instruction and be attentive that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me. Who's he talking about? David. King David. This is a father that taught a son that who's now teaching his son. Fathers, be pointers too. Be pointers to the Lord. Oftentimes it's like, yeah, yeah, but I don't know a whole lot. That's okay. This is the cool thing about it. You are on a journey with the Lord. Take your kid with you. That's it. You don't have to know all the answers. In fact, it is totally annoying when a dad th thinks he has all the answers. Come on, I know. I was a kid. And that can be totally annoying. Understand this, pointing to is different than being a dictator of one's thoughts. It's different than that. Pointing to is guiding and is moving them and is trying to help them see. It is not dictating how they have to think. By the way, that's why prayer comes into it. Because prayer is doing something in the heart that you cannot ultimately do. But you can point them to. Pointing to is different than being angry about. Pointing to does not mean that you disengage from. Pointing to is different than being a know-it-all. 
be a learner and bring them with you. Tell them you don't know all the answers, but you know who does, and you're pursuing after him, and you want them to join you on this journey to the Lord. Dads, point two like Solomon. By the way, I'll just note, point two like Jesus. I mean, Jesus was constantly pointing his disciples to. I mean, he's pointing them to himself. He was pointing them to the Father. He was pointing them to the Spirit of God. He was pointing them to biblical truth. And it's important to know that Jesus' central venue for pointing them to was not a classroom. Let me say that again. Jesus' central venue for pointing his children to him was not a classroom, it was everyday life. When you go through and you see how Jesus interacted with the disciples, he's constantly using just things that are right out there, that are right before them, that are taking place. Guys, why are you so afraid right now? He's seeking to point them to something. Hey guys, how are you going to feed them? And they all thought, I don't have the foggiest idea. But there's a kid over here who's got a couple loaves and fish. But that ain't no good. The ain't is in the Greek. Yeah. And he's using, he's saying, do you see the crowds? Do you see these great buildings? Do you see the sheep? Look at that tree. By the way, do you see that blind man? Blind from birth? He's always using life all along. Hey, fathers, Deuteronomy 6, your kids. All of life. Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9, write it down. It's pointing them to all things of life, binding them, showing them, painting them, posting them, putting them out there, in the car. And it's not like, okay, Bible moment. Have that. But do life moments. And use life to point them to. Driving down the road and the trees are turning in the colors that they are. And it's like, wow, look at the trees. Do you see that? Is God not creative? Why do you think he picked those colors and not like fuchsia or something? And talk about how awesome the Lord is and creative the Lord is and wonderful the Lord is. Bring them when you're having a hard time along. Engage them in praying for you and you praying for them when they're having. Life is a venue for pointing to the Lord. Grab a hold of it, guys, and use it like Jesus and like Solomon and point your kids. Pray for, point to, and the third one is walk with. Walk with like Noah. Turn to Genesis 6. Love this. Walk with like Noah. Genesis 6 we're told that Noah is kind of like a, a Job. We're told that he was a, a man who found favor, verse 8, in the eyes of the Lord. Really, I think that's referring to this idea of God graced him. God poured out his grace on him. I don't think this is having that Noah earned himself anything. Noah was pursuing after the Lord, and in his pursuing, the Lord graced him. And it says in verse 9, that Noah walked 
with God. If you were here when we talked about abiding, abiding the branch and the tree, John 15, and the branch in the tree, and we're all caught up in all the leaves and all the things happening out here when the core of it is all right here at the tree. This is where the abiding happens. The branch is all about what goes on right there. Everything else is the result of what is happening right there. And Noah was a guy who was all about right there. He was drawing from the trunk and and, and life from it and sustenance from it. And it was showing in it. And Noah was a man who was walking with God in the reality. What a cool statement. Oh God, I pray more of that in our lives. He walked with the Lord, so the Lord shows up in Noah's life with like a major job task. He was never asking for it. And God's like, hey, Noah, I'd like for you to build a floating zoo. And Noah's like, hey, I actually, I kind of got a few things going on. Um, I've never seen one of those before. But a guy who's walking with the Lord is willing to go along with what the Lord would have for him. And let's pick up and see what happens here. He's doing life with the Lord as Job was. And he's walking with him. And by the way, let me say it this way as well. It's not quality over quantity, it's both. Dads, it's quantity and quality. It's quantity and quality. Noah lived that out. Look what happens, chapter 6, verse 22, the very last verse of chapter 6. Noah did this. In other words, he did what God had. He was living with the Lord, and he did what the Lord had for him. Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. What a statement. By the way, I think in the whole movement of it, this is like 100 years of time of building this thing. 100 years. Can you imagine in year 20 when all you have to say is show for your work is like a platform on the ground for this zoo? And everybody's laughing at 20 years of just doing that. I'm telling you, sometimes we think Noah had an incredibly exciting life. Most of his life was cutting a tree, dragging a tree, honing a tree, laying a tree, setting a tree, go get the next tree. Day in, day out, week in, week out, month in, month out, no 401k. He's doing what the Lord had asked him to do. By the way, it's implied with his kids and his family. Why do I say that? Because look at chapter 7, verse 1. He's building the ark, but he's entering the ark. Then the Lord said to Noah, go into the ark, you and your household, for I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. So here he is involving his kids in the building of it, in the entering of it. Then on the ark, verse 7 Uh, of chapter seven. Uh, And Noah and his sons and his wife and his sons, uh, wives uh, with him went into the ark to escape the waters of the flood. I mean, this was like a family endeavor. And they're doing it together. By the way, can you imagine his kids the whole time of building this thing over 100 years of time? Like, what are they talking about? What are they interacting on? I mean, there's no Google, there's no internet, and they don't have an iPhone. Like, what do you do? They're just doing life together and with the Lord. Day in, day out, 
interacting, talking about on what day, on what week, on what month is Shem, Ham, and Curly. Uh, it's not Curly. It, 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 what, what day is it that one of them are like, this is ridiculous, man, and they're copping a really bad attitude. On what month is Mo, isn't Moses, Noah, copping a really bad attitude in front of his kids? They saw it all. But they were doing life with, and then they get on this floating zoo together. And then chapter 8, verse 18 and 19, uh, they get off the ark together. So Noah went out, and his sons and his wives, and his sons' wives with him, verse 19, every beast, every creepy, creeping thing, every bird, everything that moves on the earth, went out by families from the ark. Listen, can you imagine having that experience with your dad? I would submit life with includes walking with. Life with the Lord includes walking with your kids, dads. Walk with them. If I can literally say it this way, don't just pray for them. Don't just point them. Go with them. Walk with them. Engage with them. Be a part of their lives with them. I think this is the glue that really makes the other two real. I'm so grateful for a dad that I was like that. My dad was so not perfect in so many ways, as ditto for me. But I am telling you, my dad walked with us. Our home was like, this is aging me, chitty chitty bang bang. Remember the home? I'm telling you, that was our home. We built an airplane, two-seater airplane in our garage. We built a garage. We built all kinds of things. Every one of my friends wanted to be part of our home. Why? Because my dad and me as the youngest brother with two older brothers, we were doing all kinds of freaky things. We were shooting geese from the top of the, house, the garage that we built that had the airplane inside. It was crazy cool. And being with covers it over. A lot of mistakes. Dads, I charge you, pray for your kids. Dads, I charge you. Point your kids to the Lord. You don't have to have a degree in Bible. You just have to have a walk with the Lord and bring them with. And maybe you never had that shown in your life before. And so it's even harder and even more awkward for you to do that because you've never had that pattern set for you. Listen, that's okay. Just get started. Just walk. And be with your kids. Let them see you love them. Let them see you fail. Let them see you be real. Let them see your life. And you see their life. Entered in. Poured in. Loving on them. By the way, they get off the ark. Chapter 9, verse 1. 
And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. They are even there in God's blessing together. And then you see in verse 8, the last one, God establishes a covenant. Uh, Verse 8, chapter 9. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, Behold, I establish my covenant with you and your offspring after you. Listen, this was a family that experienced life with the Lord as a dad brought them with and walked with them. Dads, walk with like Jesus. Mark chapter four, verse 19. Follow me and I will make you. That's what Jesus said. Hey, follow me and and I will make you. I am not saying be Jesus. We all got that. You are not Jesus, okay? And if you think you are, another conversation. But as Jesus said to the disciples, come follow me and walk with me, and out of that walking with you will become, and listen, it's your decision, it's your turn to make that decision on where you're gonna go with that, but just know this, Jesus walked with his guys, and dads, you and I can too. In fact, I think dads are better at that than probably any of the prior two. I actually think the walking with comes more natural than the prior two. But sometimes, in defeat of not doing the prior two, we pull out of the third. Hey, dads. We live in a day and age right now where men are very confused in our society. We're told not to be men. We're told to be men. I'm just telling you, I'm getting my thesis. It's just men are struggling and confused. Men are defeated and discouraged. Men, I don't want to pile on that at all today. I want to encourage you. Because sometimes we life seems and raising kids seems so complicated that could we just make it simple again? And okay, here's the simple again. Pray for, point to, walk with. That's it. That's it. And I'm just asking that on this day, we grow in those. I'm not asking for perfection because we're all in big trouble then. But I do want to spur you on. More pray for. More point to. More walk with. Kids, wouldn't you love that? More of that? Like just imagine if you were a kid with your parent, with your dad. Man, I'll tell you, when my dad died, all his chitty chitty bang bang stuff was left behind. But all of the whole thing of my dad praying, and my dad pointing to, and my dad walking with, can't take that away. Dad's more of those. Be encouraged. We're with you. We love you. And we want to push you ahead towards that end. Pray for like Job. Point to like Solomon. 
walk with like Noah. Lord, the dad's here this morning. Father, I ask that you would just encourage them today. Father, it's so easy for us to figure out and look at everything that we don't do well and get really discouraged. And Father, there are times where we're to examine ourselves and to take a look at that for us to be able to grow and make changes in that. But God, I really pray today that these charges to pray for and to point to and to walk with would not be the kind of sense of like a dark cloud over them, but would actually be the kind of a sense of, I can do that, I can pray for my kids. I I can point my kids to the Lord. I I might not know a whole lot, I might not even know a lot about the Bible, but but I can begin and I can be taking them with and, and I can actually point our kids to that. And and, and I can walk with them. Lord, these are things that we can do. And Father, these are things that you do. As the Lord Jesus Christ intercedes, as your word through the Spirit points us to, and as you walk with us through the reality of life. Oh God, on this Father's Day, I pray for every one of these dads, just a sense of hope and encouragement, that they would feel loved, that they would feel encouraged, and even in the heartache of life for whatever's going on, that they would be reminded that you love them. God, I would ask that you would help us dads to keep these things in our minds, God, to pray for a child. Pray for our children. We can do it in the car. We can do it at home. We can do it at work. Like, we can do that all the time. Father, I just pray that we would have a more priestly mindset like Job in in consecrating and separating apart our kids unto you. And God, that would just burden our hearts. And we would just pour ourselves out. And in pouring ourselves out for our kids, it causes us to draw us towards them even more deeply. God, I pray that we would be dads who purposefully keep in mind to point to how can we use situations of life to point our children, our our, our little children, our older children, how can we use these life situations with wisdom to point them to you? God, give us wisdom in knowing when to not speak as well as when to speak. Father, I pray that we would just walk with our kids. That we would engage with them. That we would love on them. And that we would take deep, sincere interest in them. And that we would just be there for them. God, thank you for these dads. We live in a culture right now that kind of mocks dads, that makes fun of dads. It makes us come across as though we're a bunch of morons. The fact is being a father is a God-ordained reality. It is of grand importance and a great opportunity. And I pray that you would help us as dads to be dads 
for your glory, for the fame of your name, for the greatness of our God, and for your absolute delight and that our lives would be sacrifices for our children, for your glory. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.